you please be seated. Do turn with me in your Bibles. You'll see there's two uh, main passages we're looking at tonight. John 21, uh, 15 through 19, and Hebrews 13, 17 through 21. So they are in your service sheets. That might be the easiest way, but uh, if you have a Bible, you're welcome to, to turn there as well. So first, this is, this is God's word from John 21, verses 15 through 19. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, Follow me. And then from Hebrews 13, verses 17 through, through 21. Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through jesus christ to whom be glory forever and ever amen the grass withers the flower fades the word of our god stands forevermore i promised you a, a sermon on church government tonight which sounds really dry until you stop and think for a moment about the implications of who runs the church it may not be the first thing we think about when we walk into uh, a church or when we're out looking for a church, but the, the questions lurk just beneath the surface, don't they? Who's in charge around here? What's, what's my place in the church as an attendee and, or, or as a member? We're going to look at that more next week, but there's some implications tonight. Can I listen to and, and submit to the people who are running this church, particularly as we, we become uh, increasingly aware of scandals and abuses both in wider society and, and within the church as well. And the truth is that there's uh, always a, a leadership structure to any church, even if uh, the ones who, who don't, don't even the ones who don't who claim not to have a particular leadership structure, they, they still have some kind of structure by default. There, there'll be a, where, where there's a leadership vacuum. Usually, the church ends up being uh, run by by one person making all the decisions. Or perhaps, you know, they're the, the visionary uh, who, who knows exactly what they want this church to look like. And so that one person sort of lays out their vision and leads that church. Or the church is run by the congregation. You know, everybody sort of pulls together and, and makes the decisions together. And both of these models do have some uh, historic roots and historic merits to them, uh, even though they may uh, appear accidental at times. And they're, they're, that's also often 
these two are, are used intentionally as well. The, the Church of England would be a, a hierarchical form of church government. Uh, Baptist churches would be congregational. A lot of even free evangelical churches would be congregational. Grace Church is a bit different because we're what's called a Presbyterian church. And that means that, that we are overseen by, by the elders. Uh, and actually the, the New Testament Greek word for elder is presbyteros. That's the name for our for our tradition, Presbyterian. Decisions regarding the, the church, whether it's the local church or it's the church more, more broadly, are always made by, by a group of elders, what we call a plurality of elders, which means plurality means more than one, doesn't it? In other words, more than, than one person appointed by Christ and elected by the congregation is tasked with making decisions for the church. We don't have a hierarchy. Each elder's given the right to, to speak and to, to vote. There's an accountability structure in place. I mentioned it a bit last week that, that uh, in the case of Grace Church, I'm the only local elder, uh, but I still don't make all of the decisions on my own. We have, we have two borrowed elders from the presbytery, and I'm, I'm accountable to a committee of the presbytery uh, as well as the, the presbytery at large. There's always accountability in place. So that gives you a very brief overview of how we're structured. But the real purpose of the sermon is to talk about to talk about why, to give you the biblical basis for for why we are who we are. And some of you may uh, have come here frustrated with previous churches you've been a part of, and if that's you, I'm I'm sorry, we'll probably disappoint you as well. We're not perfect, and there are things about this the structure of a Presbyterian church that that can be frustrating. It can be really slow, for example. In, in making decisions. But I do believe it's the, the best and, and the biblical model that, 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 we see, uh, that we see in Scripture. So who's in charge around here? Well, the answer is ultimately Jesus. Jesus is in charge, and he never fully cedes his power to anyone else. But he did leave people to care for his church and his people, his, his sheep, as he calls them. There's five things for us to, to see this evening, which we'll, we'll go through at what I hope is a reasonable pace. Five, a five-point sermon. That's, well, I only did two this morning, but that's still seven points today for, for you who are at both services. And if you weren't at both services, you're still getting, you're getting bonus points tonight. So congratulations. Five things. Uh, one, who, do, who does the church or the sheep belong to? Second, does Jesus believe in, in elders? Third, what are the elders called to do? Fourth, what qualifies an elder? And fifth, what are you called to as a member? And if you didn't get all of those in that first go, don't worry, I'll come back to them. So first, who does the church, the, the sheep, belong to? And this first point is really simple and, and I think pretty obvious from our, our reading tonight. In our passage from John's Gospel, we find Christ resurrected and restoring Peter. So he's 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 returned from the dead. He's, he's resurrected. Uh, but Peter had, had denied Jesus three times on the night of his, his betrayal and trial. And I wanted us to, to look at this passage tonight because in it we, we see actually Jesus modeling what we talked about last week in church discipline. What's he, what's he doing with Peter? Well, he's, he's gently and lovingly rebuking and restoring Peter. Three times he asked whether or not Peter loves him. Mimicking or, 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 or shadowing, I guess, the, the, the three denials of Peter. Three times he asked Peter whether or not Peter loves him. 
He's forcing Peter to reflect on what he truly believes and, and how he truly feels about Jesus. And this, in some ways, would be agonizing for Peter. You could tell by the end of that, that discussion that, that Peter was getting frustrated, right? It, it, John, John even says that. He was, he was hurt. He was injured because he asked him three times. But it, it wasn't intended to crush Peter. It was intended to restore him. And after each response from Peter, Jesus gives him a command, doesn't he? To care for his, that's, that's Jesus' sheep. Sheep, of course, being the, the people of God, you and I. And that's actually the first thing we have to understand tonight about leadership in the church of Christ. The elders are called to care for Jesus' sheep. And to always remember that they are Jesus' people. Jesus' sheep. You belong to Jesus, not, not to me. Not to Grace Church. You belong, ultimately, to Jesus. This is actually critical for all of us to recognize. Jesus, at no point gives up ownership of his people to earthly authority. He may place them under the care of earthly authorities, whether those are the church authorities or, the, or, or government authorities. But he never gives up his rightful ownership and care of his people. It's, it's, it's kind of like if I, if I get one of you to, to come and look after my children while I'm, I'm out for an evening, uh, you might be in charge of them for that, that time. But they're still my children. I'm not giving you full respect parental responsibility over them, but, but I'll, I'll let you feed them dinner. I'll let you tell them when they can go to bed. If they act up really badly, which they won't, perfect little angels that they are, but if they do, you can, you can put them in time out, or you can tell me when I get home, and, and I'll sort it. You can, if they get sick, you can take them to hospital. You can, you can do a lot of things that, that I, as their parent, would do for them, in my absence, you can't do everything because they're not your children. They're my children. And when I get back, I expect them to, to be in one piece. And not just in, in one piece, but, but hopefully as well or better off than when I left them. So two things for us to understand as we, as we conclude this point. First, leadership in the church is, is a serious responsibility. Because if you're, you're called to be an elder in the church of Christ, you're, you're given serious responsibility for the people who belong to Jesus. You all aren't here to follow me. You're here because you want to follow Jesus. And I'm here to follow Jesus too. And part of that, my calling is, is to care for you as Jesus would. And second, it's, it's critically important that you recognize yourself as belonging to Jesus. First and foremost, that you belong to Jesus and that it's, it's actually okay at times to, to, to properly question earthly authority. You know, it's okay to, to pull the minister aside for a quiet chat to, to ask him about something that was said or something that he did. That's okay. And if, if that, you're not satisfied with that, it's okay to go to another elder about that. Because you belong to Jesus ultimately. I'm just here to care for you. But it's important that, that you see yourself as belonging to Jesus. And if you do, then to, to place yourself under the authority and care of a local church and a local session, a body of elders. And if you're following Jesus, if you belong to him, then he wants you to be, to be cared for by the elders as, as he has appointed them to the task of caring for you. And if you're fo a follower of Jesus, then you should be drawn more deeply into his church. 
Now, our second question this evening is, does Jesus believe in eldership? And another way of, of asking this is, was Jesus Presbyterian? Now, I'm going to be bold here, and I mean no disrespect to our congregational or hierarchical brothers or sisters, but you have come to a Presbyterian church this evening, so you should expect this answer. It shouldn't offend you. Yes, I believe that Jesus establishes the Presbyterian form of government. And I'll try to, to briefly explain why. First of all, uh, let's address an objection that's often raised by our Anglican and Catholic uh, friends regarding this passage from John. Just, doesn't Jesus give this, this command to feed his sheep only to Peter? Isn't he setting apart as, as special as the head of the church, uh, Peter? Again, we have to, to remember the context here. Peter is being restored by Jesus following his denial of the Savior. And the question we ought to ask is, what is, the, what is he being restored to? I don't believe we can fairly argue that he's being venerated to a higher office, but he's being restored to the number of the disciples, soon to be the apostles. He's being restored to, to the, the people of God, to the church, and to, to eldership, leadership in that church. Peter does become a, a prominent member of the apostles. We, we see that in Acts. We do, and, and in Acts, we see him speaking out and leading within, within that group of people. But we never see a separate office just for Peter. So if the, the Pope is listening to this recording today, I'm, I, I know I'm, a, I'm big in the Vatican, uh, so if the Pope is listening... Sorry, but not sorry. Uh, even the apostles, though, in the early church are, are at times referred to as elders. The, the term, the word is used uh, synonymously with them. And when the distinctions made between apostles and elders, like, for example, in Acts 15, the Jerusalem Council, the two groups are still treated as equals. Both are recorded as having spoken and debated in that council, the issue at hand. Peter acts as sort of a, a moderator of the meeting, but the decisions of the council were taken collectively. There's no clear biblical evidence that Peter or any of the apostles held a higher office than any of the other elders outside of the fact that they had seen Jesus, they had heard his teaching, and they were called by him to lay the foundation for the church. The unique aspects of their office died with each of them. The second, where does Jesus suggest eldership is, is the preferred or desired model for leadership in his church? I would argue that one place, and this is just one example, is Matthew 23. And you can turn there if you, if you have your Bibles. I didn't put this one in the service sheet. But the, the thing to remember as we, we turn to Matthew 23 is, is that the, the fundamental principle of eldership is that there's always a plurality. So there's always more than one. There, there, there's a plurality, a group of men making these decisions. There's a camaraderie and brotherhood of accountability where the elders are able to hold one another accountable and to together to seek and discern the will of God for his church from his word and through prayer. Remember that as we look at Matthew 25, I'm, I'm gonna, or 23, sorry, uh, looking at verses 5 through 11. And here Jesus is contrasting the scribes and the Pharisees and how they behave with that of his disciples. Uh, verse 5, they do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. And they love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplace and being called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher and you are all brothers. And call no man your father on earth, 
for you have one Father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And notice how stark that the contrast is here. The, the scribes and the Pharisees, they were, they were hierarchical. They, they, they wanted to show their, their piety. They wanted, to show, they wanted individual recognition. They wanted, they wanted a better place, didn't they? They wanted, to be on, you know, they wanted to climb to the top of the ladder. But what does Jesus say about, about his disciples, the men who would be his apostles? He says, he says there's no ladder. He says, your one teacher is Jesus himself. Your one rabbi is Jesus. He says, your one father is, is God the Father. Your one instructor is Christ. He tells them, verse 8, they're, they're all brothers. They're all equals. And they're, they're to, to be humble and to act together, not, not like the scribes and the Pharisees who were, who were seeking individual acclaim. So does Jesus believe in eldership? I, I think he does. Or at least some form of it. Now we're going to go a bit faster now, but third point. Uh, what are elders called to do? What does Jesus tell Peter to do? Back in John, he tells him to feed and tend his sheep, to care for his people, doesn't he? What does that mean? It means treating God's people the way that, that Jesus would treat them if he was physically present. It means saying the, the hard things to them that Jesus would say, like he does here with Peter. It means saying the, the loving things to them that Jesus would say when they're struggling and need help. It means caring for them and loving them the way that Jesus would love them and care for them. It means seeking to set an example for God's people of what it means to live a godly life. It means elders should be, should be repenting of sin, loving their families well, ordering their, their work and business lives in a way that is fair and that is just. It means they, they care for other people in their community as their neighbors. It means they do simple things, even unnoticed things, like, like paying their taxes or giving to the church. It means they look to, to Christ for their salvation and not to politicians or possessions or anything else in creation. The writer of Hebrews says that the, the elder is called to, to watch over your souls. That's a big thing, isn't it? He says that, that I as your minister and anyone else who serves as an elder is going to have to give an account for your souls one day to Jesus himself. An elder's called to a big task. It's a weighty thing, isn't it? To be responsible for one soul, much less the entire congregation. We know somewhat intuitively what this looks like and what this feels like, and we know when it's being done well or not. But ultimately, we're all bound to God's word. Your, your elders should be pointing you to, to, to the word of God, to understand who Jesus is calling you to be. They should be looking out for you. They should be looking to, to care for you, to, to rebuke you when you're in sin, and to call you back into righteousness. The calling of your elder is to, to point you to Jesus and to, to call you more and more to trust him and to surrender your whole life to him. Fourth, uh, what qualifies a person to be an elder? Uh, there's a couple of places in Paul's letters where we're, we're given the explicit qualifications of an elder uh, in Christ's church. Uh, 
I'm going to take us to Titus 1 tonight, Titus 1, 5 through 9. Uh, he gives a slightly shorter version of this, but he also mentions Crete, where I'm going in a couple of weeks. I'm really looking forward to it. So I thought I'd go with the Crete passage. Titus 1, 5 through 9. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained in order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. For an overseer is God's steward. As God's steward must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or drunkard or violent or greedier for gain. A hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction and sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. Now what we should notice here is that an elder is, an, is actually an ordinary Christian. These are the things that, that we should be able to say about all of us, isn't it? He's someone who, who's called by Jesus and recognized by the church as doing the things that, that Jesus has called his people to do and to be. He has to be able to teach God's word to his people, and he has to be willing to stand for sound doctrine and truth, the truth of God's word. Now the, the IPC and in Grace Church, elders are are men elected by the congregation. Right now, Grace Church is a, a mission church or, or a church plant of the International Presbyterian Church. So before we can become a, a fully organized church and, and particularized church, we have to have uh, men who are willing to serve and meet these qualifications. Now, you probably notice as well that, that I've only ever referred to elders as men. And that's because in the IPC, we, we only appoint men as elders. And there are biblical reasons for that, which I don't have time to get into tonight, but you can ask me later if you like. Our fifth point, our final point this evening. What are you called to as a member? And we'll look at this more next week, but this is really where, where, uh, where we, we see the passage from Hebrews get quite explicit with us and how we are to behave towards our elders. What does he say? He says, obey your leaders and submit to them. And again, we get the reason why, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. What are you called to? You're, you're called to be humble and obedient to your elders. And most of us don't like to hear that, do we? We want to be our own boss. We don't like being told what to do by anyone, and that's, that's kind of the point. If you accept what I have been trying to lay out for you tonight, then, then the conclusion we should be drawing is, that your elders aren't, aren't perfect, but they are given to you by Jesus. They're primarily there to serve Jesus by caring for you. They're there to love you and to lovingly speak Christ's truth and his love into your life. They're there to, to meddle in your life and business the way Jesus wants to meddle in your life and business. They're there to, to call you to repentance and to love you into the kingdom of God. And yeah, there are bad ones, certainly. There are men who, who pursue eldership for power, but like, like we saw last week, there is uh, accountability in our system, and we've seen that tonight as well, I hope. And what we see tonight is that, that Jesus will, will hold elders to account, won't they? If you're an elder in the church, you have to stand on the last day and give an account to Jesus for the people that, that he's placed under you in your care. 
Jesus calls us to make ourselves vulnerable, doesn't he? And to submit to him and to trust that he's appointed elders for our care and good. And Jesus knows what, what we need even when men make a hash of it. So what are you called to? You're called to obedience and submission. You're called to make it easy on the elders. Did you notice that? Verse 17. Let them do their job with joy and not with groaning. He's saying, there, you know, have, have mercy on your elders. Be gracious to them. Make their job easy. Make it easy. What are you called to do? You're, you're called to, to pray for your elders. Verse 18. Pray for your elders. Assume the best in them and that they have the, the best intentions. And, and pray for us. Pray for me, your pastor. I need your prayers. I need Christ to work in my heart and to work in his church. Pray for me. Pray for your borrowed elders, Richard and, and, and Chris. Pray for the other ministers in the IPC. And finally, I'll close with this. I'm, I'm starting to think I should have called this series Unpopular Things You Should Know About the Church You've Decided to Attend. Because <laughs> especially last week uh, and this week, the, these sermons have not exactly been the kinds of things we like to hear, have they? Uh, some of you may be thinking that this is tedious and does it really matter how a church is organized and who's running it as long as they're, they're a good teacher. I mean, our faith should just really be me and Jesus, right? I shouldn't really have to listen to anyone else. It should just be me and Jesus. I hope what we've, we've seen this evening is, is that Jesus actually cares for you. And he cares about your soul. And he, he loves you through the church and through the elders he's appointed to care for you. And that he cares enough about you as his sheep, as, as, as one of his people. He's cared enough that he's, he cares enough about you that he's, he's appointed men to help you and to encourage you. And yes, to rebuke and correct you when that becomes necessary. At Grace Church, we take this seriously because we believe it's, it's a serious thing. I believe that I'm going to have to account for every person in this room one day before Jesus. That's why I can't. I want to care well for you. I don't intend to be heavy-handed or manipulative, and I don't want to, to gather a bunch of followers for me. Because you're here to follow Jesus. And I'm here to follow Jesus. And I'm here to help you. But ultimately, as the writer of Hebrews says, who is it that we look to? Where is it that we look ultimately for our help and our hope and our salvation? What's our Lord Jesus who is the great shepherd of the sheep, who equips you with everything good, that you may do his will, and working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom glory, glory, be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray.